Welcome to A Critical Faith, a podcast of sermons from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We are a church where faith is nurtured, curiosity encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved. We are also a church that is deeply in love with our neighbors, and we seek to make a positive difference in people's lives and partner with them for a better world. I am Pastor Sue Collar, and I am glad that you've decided to explore our faith together. The sign of a good sermon is that you leave thinking about what you've just heard. You might even leave a little bit uncomfortable. None of us is perfect, and we all have room to grow in faith and understanding and in practice. And so that is what we aim to do here at First Presbyterian Church. If you prefer to see as well as listen to sermons, you can find A Critical Faith Sermons on our website at fpclincoln.org slash worship slash sermons. Today is the second in our sermon series, The Heart of the Matter. The heart of the matter is love. We belong to a God who loves us more than there are words to say. So we are exploring what it really means to belong to this God and to be the people of Jesus Christ in the world. Today's sermon was preached while many of us are experiencing the effects of stay-at-home orders and social distancing during the coronavirus pandemic. We are in that really strange time when armed protests are being held in seats of power demanding that restrictions be lifted so we can return to normal life. And so in today's sermon, we ask the question, do we really want to return to normal? Now the scripture you're about to hear is from the second chapter of the book of Acts, and it is an extended version of our theme scripture for our Easter season. And it shows us how the early Christians, some of whom had to gather in secret and in isolation, were also supporting each other abundantly. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Now Jesus used the metaphor of a shepherd several times in his ministry. In this passage from the Gospel of John, the sheep recognize the shepherd and know that he alone can provide for everything they could ever want or need. I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them, and they follow him because they know his voice. 
They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus spoke again. I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they could have life, indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. So what if I don't want the world to return to normal? I know that's the big cry that we're hearing from everybody is, when will life return to normal? When will we get to eat out again? When will we get a haircut again? When can we go to the store and not worry about being six feet away from the person in front of us in line? When will we be able to worship in person again? We are all asking those questions. I, I will say, though, the, the question I have not yet heard is, when will we be able to resume all of those committee meetings that we have day after day after day? So I guess, I don't know, maybe there's one good thing that's come out of uh, this uh, new normal, I guess. One thing we don't miss from the old normal. But whenever life gets turned upside down, it's natural to long for a return to the way it was. Uh, a sense of normalcy or predictability might be a good way of putting that. I know as we watch the news, we see some people are taking that longing for a return to the, the normalcy of the past uh, to extremes, you know, having armed protests in governor's mansions and seats of power, looking for a sense of normalcy that, that is familiar to them and that uh, in some way must, must uh, be a sense of comfort for them. But my question for you is, is, what if what the world considers normal was never that great to begin with? Think about that. What if I don't want to go back to the ways of everyone out for themselves and to heck with everybody else? What if I don't want to go back to the ways of the world where the goal is to climb that corporate or social ladder and not worry about who you have to step on to reach the next rung? What if I don't want to go back to the ways of people demanding their rights at the expense of somebody else's rights? Or the days where big corporations are more interested in the bottom line than in relationships. And so they're putting all these small businesses out of business. I mean, I get the unsettledness of this time. I'm feeling that as well. I get that for some type people, this sense of isolation, this time of isolation is, is financially devastating for them. Um, Health-wise, I know that there are those who are experiencing extreme health issues uh, because of what we're dealing with right now. But I'm still going to dare to long, not for a return to normal, but for something better. One of my favorite scriptures is John 10. Uh, Jesus talks about being the shepherd, the, the one who knows his flock and the one who is known by his flock. They recognize his voice. They are safe with him. It's a good story all the way around, but my favorite part of the story is the very, very end where Jesus says, 
I have come so that my flock, so that my people, so that the ones whom I love might have abundant life, might have life abundantly in every single way. Jesus came so that we might live life to its fullest, so that we might realize in our own lives the fullness of God's love for us and be so filled with having what we need that it just overflows onto everybody else around us. That's what abundance is. It's not just having what I need. It's having so much of what I need that it flows out over everybody else and everybody has what they need. That's, that's the life Jesus desires for us. Now, right now, that promise of abundant life really speaks to me because in that simple sentence, Jesus holds out the hope and promise of a new kind of normal, one that I long for, but one I also have to admit, frankly, sounds a little too good to be true. For you see, he held out a vision of a world where there is enough for everybody, where there is an abundance of forgiveness, where grudges are not held, where people are giving multiple second chances, where the goodness of a person, where the image of God in a person shines through all of the muck and the dirt that's been piled on them, that stuff we call sin. The Apostle Paul said that nothing, nothing without exception, can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's abundance and abundant forgiveness. Jesus holds out a vision of a world where there is abundance of sustenance, those things that fill us and satisfy us. One of Jesus' favorite metaphors when he talked about the kingdom of God was a banquet table that is just filled to overflowing and that everybody's invited to. There is never one word about there not being enough food for everybody. We see those uh, stories in the Gospels where Jesus feeds thousands and thousands of people with really meager rations, and there is always an abundance left over, more than what they started with. Jesus holds out this vision of a world where we all have more than what we need. And he also talks about a world with an abundance of generosity, and that's not just generosity of money and things, it's generosity of love and caring towards others. It's a wonderful vision of a world. That's the new normal that I would like to see on the other side of this pandemic. And it's been tried. If we remember the, the first scripture reading from the book of Acts, uh, that's from the very, very early days of the church. That's a story that happens right after the Pentecost story where the Spirit fills the disciples with power and they go out and they start sharing the good news of God's love and, and new life, and people start to come together and form a church. And so this is in those very, very early days. And as we read that story, we see that this vision of abundant life that Jesus talks about actually became reality for a very brief moment in time. Listen again to how that was described. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to whoever needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. They were everything that Jesus taught them to be. Joyful, 
caring, compassionate, generous. But it didn't last. Not even close. Very shortly after that uh, account was told, we hear about two Christians, a husband and wife team, Ananias and Sapphira. They sold some land and they gave proceeds of that land sale to the church. And they said, we're giving it all. And it turns out that they lied. They kept some back for themselves. Now the issue wasn't that they kept some back for themselves. The issue was that they lied about it. That they put themselves forward as being more generous than they really were. That they put themselves forward as caring more about the body than themselves when the reality was it was exactly the opposite. So very quickly we see that that concept of everybody sharing what they had so all needs could be met. It didn't last very long. We also hear in Paul's letters, Paul wrote to, uh, actually founded a lot of the very early church communities and in one of them he talks about a problem in the church. Um, they, in, in those days when they gathered for what we would call communion, they actually gathered for an entire meal, a feast. And communion, this breaking of the bread and, and uh, sharing the bread and the cup, was just a part of that. And what was happening in this church was that uh, this church had both people who were rich and people who were poor. And, you know, the rich had a little bit of a life of leisure. They had a little bit more control over their, uh, their lives and their schedules and their times. And so they would get to the homes where the worship was being held and these, these great feasts were being held. They would get there early and eat their fill before the poor people who couldn't get there until after they got off work, before they were able to get there. And so what we had is that the rich were satisfying themselves on this wonderful feast, and the poor who had the most need were left with scraps if they were lucky enough to get even that. So Jesus', Jesus vision of this abundant life and abundant relationships, it did not last very long in real life. I suppose that's because there's a tendency in the human psyche to look after yourself before looking after others uh, that doesn't recognize that it is in lifting others up that we are lifted up as well. Going back to the metaphor in the John passage, uh, Jesus talks about not listening to the voices of those who will rob us of real life. We don't want to listen to the voices of those that will rob us of peace and life. So we let our mind, into our minds those people who will tell us that we are more important than the community around us. We let into our minds those who tell us that all we need is just a little bit more, then we can afford to be generous. One dollar more. Wasn't it um, Rockefeller, I think, who said, uh, and when a, a reporter asked him how much more money he needed, he said, just one more dollar. His answer was always just one more dollar. We listen to those voices that tell us we aren't good enough or strong enough or smart enough. We let that sap our, the life out of us, our sense of who we are before God. And we lis listen to those who claim that life is about getting all you can rather than giving all you can. And yet, if we look back to that early Christian community, we see a hint of God's hope for us. We see a hint of what abundant life really looks like. One of the things that 
always stood out for me in that passage is that we hear this story, and yeah, we know it didn't last very long, but we hear the story, and what we are told is that they were, the way they lived was so impactful on the people around them who weren't part of their community, that people flocked to become a part of their community. I guess that's a, a good sign to know if you are living life abundantly, is that there are others who are attracted to that and want to join you in that. If that's going on, then you're on the road to this abundant life that Jesus desires for all of us, that he came so that we can all have. So the challenge for us today as we listen to these stories is not to figure out how to get back to normal. That normal that I talked about, about all these other voices that we listen to that, that really sap life and don't give it. The challenge for us is to figure out what we're going to do going forward. Let's not look to the past. What are we going to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after? Whatever tomorrow holds, an abundance of grace, forgiveness, compassion, and generosity, that's what we want to live out in relation to God, others, and even ourselves. No matter what anyone else chooses to do tomorrow, don't let them tell you that it's not worth the effort to strive for that vision of reality that God so desires for us to live in. I, for one, don't believe it's beyond our reach. I know the early church tried it and failed. I know that there have been other communities that have tried it and failed. But I still don't believe it's out of our reach or not worth striving for. I look at what we're doing here at this church right now. Aren't we moving in that direction through our giving to the church? We're able to continue making a difference and making an impact because of your generosity. I look at how we're living it out through our phone calls, our notes to each other, and this time of physical distancing. I get calls and notes from people who say how much it meant to them that someone from our church out of the blue, picked up a phone and called them just to say, how are you? Or just to talk. Making those connections. Isn't that part of living this abundant, life-giving life? Aren't we living it out when we gather for Wednesday evening prayer and our Sunday Zoom fellowship and communion and our Sunday wash, uh, worship watch party when we gather together in joy to worship? Aren't we moving towards this reality when we Take time out of our day to run an errand for someone or to drop a meal off at somebody's house. When we share our prayer requests and pray for each other. Aren't we living this out already when we don't assume someone's okay, but we actually ask them and then we listen to their answer? I think there's many ways that we are taking steps towards living a generous, joyful, abundant life. We aren't perfect at it. We're going to keep striving at it. We're going to fail on occasion, even with our best intentions. But aren't we moving in that direction? And aren't we feeling some of the joy that comes from that? One of the, one of the things I hear and read as I, I talk to people about what they're going through right now with with our physical distancing, you know, the six-foot distance, staying home, not going out any more than you have to. Uh, one of the things I hear from people is, is how much people are losing, 
how much they're missing. They're, they're missing out on, uh, some are missing out on work. They have no jobs right now and they aren't able to get a job or go to work and get a paycheck. Uh, so many are feeling that they are, are just, they're missing the connection with people. I mean, I hear that from our own members of, of how much they miss being together in worship and studies and things like that or, or just getting together for a meal. Um, think of, you know, those things we've had to give up as we strive to flatten that curve of COVID-19, as we strive to keep the infection rates low enough that our, our hospitals are not overwhelmed with more patients than they can handle. For so many of us, it feels like doing all, that, all of that robs us of something important in life. But what if we turn that around? What if, instead of looking at what we give up, time with friends and family, visits to people, uh, getting together for worship, going to work in some cases, what if, instead of focusing on what we've given up or what we've lost, we look at what we've given up as a way of showing care for others, a way of sharing abundant life with others. I am willing to make a sacrifice. I am willing to change my habits, my behaviors, so you don't get sick. If that isn't showing love for somebody else, I don't know what is. And if that isn't putting someone else first, as Christ did for us, I don't know what is. The reality is, we are doing things that get us a little closer to that promise of abundant life, that new reality that God so much desires for us. So the question we should be asking isn't, when will things get back to normal? When can we go back to doing what we used to do? The question is, how will we live going forward? How will the future be different from the past? And what have we learned and experienced during this time that gives us a glimpse of the kingdom of God? What have we learned and experienced through this time that encourages us and will encourage us to embrace generosity and love on the other side of this pandemic? It really is a question of whose voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the voice of the shepherd who wants abundant life for everybody and invites us into this new way of living? Or are we going to listen to the voice of the thief who wants to take life from others and rob us of those things that lead to real life? I'm just going to leave you with that question right now. I can't answer it for you. Only you can answer it. Who are you going to listen to? And what do you want the future to look like? And who do you want to follow?